All right, we're live. I'm so excited. I'm on with my buddy from uh, Queens, old school. Right. You know, not That's quite, right. Right, not that far, probably two miles from each other, right? Down Springfield Boulevard. I, I think about two miles, yeah. yeah <laughs> two miles. Absolutely. I was just saying to Damon before we started uh, that he looks really fit and he insisted as the camera angle. So I don't I know. definitely angled it like, you know, I, I learned that from the women, like point up, down. And, you know, is that what it is? It's like you look almost like a V shape, but I don't know if it's an optical illusion. Yeah, no, it's optical because my shape goes because I got nice shoulders, a decent chest, and then comes in a little bit, and then it goes not, it starts to come back out. <laughs> Damon was, it goes in, and then it comes back out. Damon was just saying to me before we started that you are the most uh, worked out fat guy, right? Is that isn't that a? I am, I am. I listen. I mean, I think everybody's doing the same, right? The first, listen, the first week of this whole thing, I didn't drink. I was working out every day. It was like you know, it was like you get a good uh, a vacation, you get to go to a spa. And then slowly the chips came into my life and then slowly the liquor and then the baby's baking every day because, you know, she, she, you know, that's the only thing, you know, kids like to bake a cake. Right. Right. And that's it. Done. I had these big aspirations. I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this time. I'm going to control environment. I'm going to prove once and for all that the reason my weight goes up and down is somebody else's fault, not mine. So I'm going to eat the same three meals every day. I'm going to drop like whatever. And then slowly. So now my routine is I walk five miles to the bagel store to get like a big fat bagel with cream cheese and lox. That's yeah. about as that's about as good as I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're gonna have to make this interview short because you're making me hungry. Are you in are you in Florida? You are, right? I am, I am, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be in New York in another two weeks. All right, cool. All right. So I'm so excited to have you here. Let's make so I spent about a half an hour together. Um, I'm, I really wanted to talk to you because you have an interesting book that just came out that I feel like you timed it perfectly for what people need right now and it's called power shift right and i always admire your journey is extraordinary i mean it went from uh, red lobster in queens to fubo all the way to the top to shark tank you've been on since the first season you're, you've had an incredible life and you're always trying to figure out how to pass it on you have no ego i spent a lot of time just hanging out with you you're very generous with your time so i really really want to go deep into first by starting out like what is what does it mean to have a power shift uh, well, thank you for the kind words, and you know, I think I think we reflect each other. I think all those same things uh, apply to you, and I think that you've done a lot of power shifts too, because, you know, you know, so, so I looked at power shift, and I, you know, being dyslexic, I, I, um, I've I've written now total five books with three books in the last five years, and I just want to be very honest. I don't write books to write them. I think the first book I did write to say, let me get my story out, so it's a calling card. You know, this is when Shark Tank wasn't on, and people only thought that. I was the FUBU guy and like everybody watching right now, um, I was put in a box and we were all usually put in a box. That's, a, that's the easiest way for people to do that. This is person only a nurse, only a barber, only this, whatever the case is. So I had this feeling at that time uh, that, I that I wrote my first book, Display of Power, that whenever I'd walk into a corporate setting, people would think because I'm the FUBU guy, I would come in with gold teeth, a gun off my side, baggy pants, and start rapping and breakdancing. And I wanted people to understand that the fundamentals of business, no matter you're selling uh, baggy jeans or you're selling, you know, equities are the fundamentals to business. So that's why I wrote the first book. But then after that, I would start writing books after, because when, after I write another book, people would tell me what they still feel like they're lacking in knowledge on. So then I, I wrote uh, How to Brand Yourself. I wrote How to... Um, uh, the power broke. You don't need money to make money and then rise and grind how to maximize your 24 hours. I still started getting people going. I know that you've taught me all these other things in the book, but I don't have enough power to do so. Or somebody took power away from me or 
if only my boss would give me power or my friends would give me power, they would say it in various different ways, mm. but give me a chance, give me this, give me that. And I said, well, I guess if I give you all the tools that I believe you can help succeed in life, but if you don't believe in the inside that you can do it, that somebody is in charge of that, why am I getting this most commonly, why am I getting this question so much? So then I looked into it and I said, wait a minute, I gotta let people know how somebody like a Matt, you know, uh, grows up a couple of miles away from me. We didn't grow up well, you know, and you move on to work with the mayor's office and then you work with, with sports teams and then you, you, you acquire uh, companies and you go on Shark Tank and various other things. And how do you rise to the top of all those industries? How does Diddy first start uh, being an intern, then he's a dancer, then he owns his own record label, then he goes to the top of the world in selling wines and spirits, and then he does the same in apparel, and then he's also a TV star. How does how do individuals move throughout systems like that, and what is their recipe? So I decided to put it all in a book by being the student. When I, when I write this, the books, I'm the student, and I interview great people, and I, I obviously wish... I could have interviewed you, but we interviewed 20 and whittled it down to 12 because, uh, you know, we just want to make sure that today they're not making more attention in the world, as right. Seth Golden would say. So you want to kind of whittle it down. Right. And I put people in there like a Chris Jenner, who I, I, I helped manage the Kardashians in their early years. And I gave Chris a lot of the tools that I was using in placing in music videos and everything else like that. And then she would go, I want to bring her into HBS to talk about, you know, how, to, how to, she's this force behind the scenes, right? Uh, great person. Yeah, absolutely. She's, she's, she's the one because everything that I showed her that I did in, in, in the music videos with the Kardashians and other thing, mm -hmm. she did it 20, no, she did it a hundred times better mm -hmm. on the new platforms of social media, right? Um, I, I have in there Pitbull, I have in there uh, Lindsey Vaughn, and you know, listen, the, the, the most awarded skier in the world, and if you think of it like this, we're all in Lindsey Vaughn's situation right now. For four years, she would practice to then compete and win over a millisecond every four years. So think about the, think about the intense training she did when she was as we call it, confined or sitting at home or quarantined to win over the best people in the world over a quarter or a millisecond, right? So where is that discipline? Where does that come from to be a winner like that? And then I have in there people that really are um, uh, really in tune with what's going on today. Uh, a young woman named Crystal who nobody will traditionally has ever heard of necessarily. And she worked at a university. She took her maternity leave, went off and had a baby. And the baby was a preemie, but while she was home, just like all of us now, even though she was taking care of her baby, she didn't treat it like a Saturday. She found out that, you know, a lot of companies need virtual assistance and they don't want to outsource to India and Asia because they want people who understand the cadence and understand, you know, us, uh, you know. And so she found a company named Belay. She, uh, she started to, to, to figure out how to become a virtual and work virtually at home so that she can add values to the university because she knew that when she went back, she needed to ask for half the time because she had a premature baby at home. She goes to university, says, hey, listen, I've learned how to work virtually. Um, is it possible for me to take half the time at home to uh, my child? And they were like, we love you. But unfortunately, the, the code and the, and the rules here would not allow us to do that. And you, you know that universities are pretty, I mean, they're pretty structured, right? If they're not, they're in trouble. The bureaucracy is right. Yeah. 
okay, well, now she lives in Ohio and she stays home and raises her baby. She gives me, she used to give me 30 hours a week, maybe, or, you know, my team. Uh, but after this whole thing went down, we begged her to give us 40, 45 because she's training my team how to work virtually and more proficient, right? She picks the hours she wants. She probably gives somebody else 10, somebody else 20 hours. She stays home. Uh, she doesn't have to get on the subway. She doesn't have to go to work and sit next to people uh, and do anything. And she makes more money than she's ever made before. And she only picks to work with who she wants to work with. And she created a power shift. And, and so, so I have many subjects in the book like that. And I have a lot of techniques. And I go down. I'll do that. I like I like that one in particular because I spoke to the founders of uh, Belay, the virtual assistant, right? And yeah. not on somebody's radar. You talk about what they've done with their life and the kind of life they've created. I won't put their numbers out there, but yeah. anybody who's watching right now would be very happy to have that life, right? And she had to manifest it and had to mm -hmm. go to, and had to take the first step where you to say to somebody, "You don't see me for who I truly am. You're trying to put me in a box. You're trying to label me, like you said before, kid from Queens or even an athlete, right? And somebody's always trying to put you in a box. And it's up for you, which I love the word, you know, the power shift, right? To begin to manifest who you want to be. But you don't just use celebrities in your books. You have the you know great examples of somebody like that that no one would ever heard of, but a phenomenal life that they've been able to create, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's not it. And it's not up for you to go out and tell people who you are. You know, listen, I was telling people because I was somewhat a public person in mm -hmm. regards to FUBU, but I wasn't telling people who I was. I was just giving them an image, a, a lens of my journey through my life, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I was doing something that I truly wanted to do, and it's more about don't tell people, show people who you are and start yep. the process as slow as it is. Um, but I go into negotiation about the book, and at the end of the day, it really is a negotiation. It, the first negotiation is with yourself, right? Are you ready to get smacked down? Are you humble? Do you have the right people around you? What's your why? Why are you actually doing this? I mean, Matt, you and I see people all the time that they're doing things because <clears throat> maybe society, they, they thought society wants them to do this or their parents grew up in a different day and age and said, this is what our family does and this is what you have to be. You have to go to college, you have to do this and you have to get a $300,000 loan and then become a doctor and then pay it off by the time you're 45 and 50 years old. And you know, so um, you have to have a lot of negotiation. But negotiation comes in three parts. It, you know, we, we spoiled them already, um, you know, Matt on Shark Tank because it's not, eight minutes you start off high sharks and at the end you either are out of it or you're negotiating with the sharks and you're walking out going i'm rich that's <laughs> yeah. not reality yeah. right reality in the good yeah reality negotiation is three parts building influence then negotiating and what's on the what's in the best interest for the other person at the other side of the table and valuing the relationship and nurturing the relationship and getting 10 times more out of that relationship over a period of time and, uh, you know, and that's what I share in the book and the techniques about it. I did a, I did a, a, a talk last night with 500 college kids, which was really interesting. I've done, like you, I've been talking to everybody and just getting perspective, yeah. major CEOs, publicly traded companies. But I hadn't spoken to college students, right? It was really interesting. And one of the, the students had said to me, you know, uh, and they're all kind of dealing with anxiety and depression. You know, what, what's the what's the what's the biggest thing that that you had regret uh, at this point in your life? Looking back, so you know, I don't regret much, but the one thing I regret is I didn't realize earlier on that nobody really cares what you're doing, right? You spend so much energy worrying about what other people think, and then mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, when you get to our age, life brings you to your knees. We both had cancer, you know, go yeah. through different trials and tribulations. I've been divorced. I've been smacked down. You realize actually nobody really cares nearly as much as you think. 
And then the, the longer you wait to live your own life, the more regret you're going to compile when you look back. That's probably my number one regret. And I was talking to these college kids. What advice do you have for if you were talking to a group of 500 college kids right now, what does a power shift look like in the time of COVID? You know, that's a really good question. And, I, and, 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 and you know, honestly, my daughter just graduated from FSU, uh, you know, two weeks ago. And, you know, I, you know, my daughter don't she don't she don't care about much. And so <laughs> she she wasn't the one going, oh. I she's, can't got go down. Huh? <laughs> she's got swagger. She's not. Yeah, a- she, she's not. She's like, man, I didn't want to go to graduation anyway. I ain't like half those kids. But, <laughs> um, but you know, if I look at a kid today, you know, how, how do they use this? Listen, they're at the best times of their lives, right? They're young enough to be able to go out and, as, as we all know, Gary will say it the best, eat pizza and live in a basement and work 24 hours a day. Um, and even prior to this, I had always said to kids, I said, listen, when you graduate and I don't want your parents to get mad at me, you know, when I would be speaking to a lot of them, I said, I want you to, there's a, there's a personal thing that you need to do. And then there's a professional thing you need to do. First of all, you don't need to understand your why you need to do you for the next 10 to 15 years. I don't want you attached to anybody because for the first 20 years, you were somebody's kid. And then after that, you're going to be somebody's husband, wife. Uh, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, and God willing, you live to 100 years old. And so out of that 100 years old, I want you to take 10 years and do you as much as you can. I don't care if it's travel the world mm-hmm. and, um, and, and live in hostels or it's save the animals or it's party, whatever the case is. And simultaneously, while you're doing that, Find what you really love and what you can and how you can contribute and how you can get people around you that you're working with and have that working relationship to be able to do that. I mean, if you ever look at the book Outliers, you know, it, it showed that that, uh, of course, you know, Dell and Gates and Jobs, they were all between the ages of like 15 to 17 or 18 when computers really started getting going they weren't old enough where they had to say honey i gotta go get a job and they weren't young enough they were they, they weren't too young to not understand it so they were able to twiddle and mess around with things for that period of time if you look at all of my colleagues in hip-hop we're all generally the same age me pop latifah uh jay-z all of us we're all around 49 LL, 49 to 53, because when hip hop was really coming over, we were around that age between 15 to 20 that we can mess around with this all day and do beats or try to make clothes and all this kind of stuff. And now here we are. So what I say is that right now there is a great time when the older guard like me, if I wasn't on Shark Tank, I would be so lost right now because I wouldn't be able to learn and acquire all these companies that are communicating in different ways with social media. They are, you know, they know new technologies. And right now these kids have an ability to do reverse mentorship, to find all those who are at our stages, but they don't have the tentacles and they're not connected. And that's 99.9% of business people in the world right now are lost and they have some level of assets, whether it's inventory, that a kid right now can say, I'm going to get it out there and I'm going to move and I'm going to get an affiliate marketing system or it's 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 retail or it's whatever the case is. And I think that these kids can come in. And right now, I mean, it is a blank slate and everybody's looking for help right now. Yeah, that's uh, a good so point. everybody's looking. And also the bar is lower now, right, because everybody's willing to interact virtually, whereas before you would have had to get a meeting like I'm talking to people in ways I haven't spoken to them before. Another point I made, I believe I'm sure you feel the same way. But I think this helps when you come from nothing and you've been through a lot of trauma in your life. 
every single crisis creates a new opportunity. And sometimes we're shy to say that. You know, there's a little bit of shaming early on during COVID that it was inappropriate to talk about opportunity. I say bullshit. Like, this is America. Like, we have to get back on our feet. We have to be looking for the opportunity. I was telling these college kids last night, think about it. Take a step back for a second. Once we get back on our feet, we're going to be committed to cleaning our indoor environment. We're going to be way more focused on saving planet Earth and the climate. We'll figure out how all this relates. But probably from a financial perspective, the bar to creating a startup just got a lot easier. You don't need physical space anymore. No one expects it. And now CEOs and, and investors will take meetings over Zoom. So you can get traction a lot faster. You can outkick your coverage and make it look like you have a big company, even though you're sitting like I am right now on the third floor of my cup of coffee. Like there, an aperture always opens in a crisis. And I was telling the students last night, okay, maybe before you wanted to go into an industry like live entertainment that might be on its you know back for a little bit. All right, so you might have to go into telemedicine. Big deal. You're still gonna have a job. You know, focus, move to another area, but leverage your strengths. But on a positive, I am sure this is going to unleash a whole new wave of startups that probably couldn't have been born as quickly as they're going to, especially in these key key areas. So maybe I'm just a perpetual optimist, but I kind of always no, feel no. But you I know, listen, I I, I know where you're coming from with it because you 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 always also you also go back to the facts and the data, and we know the facts and the data is in 2009. When Forbes issued its uh, top 500 companies uh, in the world, 250 of them had been started in bear markets or recessions uh, and depressions, right? And then look in 2009 to 2011. What was created then? What? Airbnb, um, Uber, Slack, Venmo, uh, Snapchat, Pinterest. right? I mean, yeah, yeah, right, right. And, 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 and again, it always creates opportunities. Since the Declaration of Independence was signed, there have been 47 major events in this country that has happened be between that time that people thought the world was over, whether it was a civil war or whether it was a depression or right. whether it was the Vietnam War, whatever the case was, was Kennedy, Kennedy getting assassinated. And we have always come back stronger. And this is when those kids that you were talking to are going to rise to the top and they're going to show us because they their mind is open. They haven't been whipped down like you and I with you can't do this. They are just like, why can't I do this? I'm going to, th I'm going to throw to some questions, a little new feature here, uh, Damon, we're going to try where we can actually All put right. up questions on here. Let me see if it actually works. Look at that. Can you see it on yours? I can see it. I can't. It's pretty small. Right. I don't have my glasses on. It says, what did you What'd you find to be the key component of crossing the chasm in the early days uh, when you disrupted fashion? He's working on substance abuse and mental, mental health care. So what was that? What got well, you? you know, <clears throat> well, first of all, I'm dyslexic. <clears throat> And I really wasn't good in uh, high school. So what is chasm again? Because I'm not. Uh, really I think it's like a divide. I'm going to just say it's a divide. What? <laughs> Queen. I got I got caught with the word. <clears throat> so I didn't even think about the question after that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Cross the divide to manifest, you know, to power shift. Oh. In high school? Whenever back in the early days when you when you broke into fashion. I think you talk about sometimes the first time you would, all those banks denied you and whatnot. Like. What yeah. was that? Right. So, so, <clears throat> so again, going back to what I was saying about the kids yeah. who need to do what they want to do. First of all, I loved fashion. And I, I, I and <clears throat> at 10 years old or 11 years old, you know, uh, I don't want to date us, but you know, the only time you can listen to hip hop at that time, it, was, it would come on a radio station and miss the magic show around 11 o'clock at night on a Friday and a Saturday only. And it would play from 11 to one. And that was the only time. So you had to wait the entire week to wait to hear hip hop between 11 to one, right? And I would stay at home and I would clean my clothes and 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 I used to have like Pumas and I would dye my Pumas every different month. I would dye them new colors, the same Puma. So all the girls would think that I had, <clears throat> during the course of the year, 12 new pairs of Pumas when I only had one pair that I kept dying. 
right? And why do I say that? I say that I learned later on <clears throat> my love for fashion and hip hop. I can actually gel them together when I was right around um, 18. And I can actually find a reason to be <clears throat> respected or valued because when I go to video sets that, uh, and I couldn't rap, sing, or dance, when they were kicking all the kids off the video sets, <clears throat> I would say, yeah, I'm here. And I would have that one t-shirt by FUBU and I'd be like, that I, that one screen print t-shirt, I'm like, I'm here to dress the artists. And they would be like, okay, you can stay. And now my greed to want to stay on these sets and see LL Cool J and Run DMC and Brand Newbie and these guys perform. And then I was hollering at the video chicks, right? And I was eating the free food, you know, over on the set. That was my chasm. I was doing this. I was doing something I love. Meanwhile, I was actually planting a seed that I didn't realize I was planting because I didn't know if people were going to like the shirt or not. And people started actually wearing the shirt and Brand Nubian and I think Miss Jones would actually take the shirt and wear it on the video. And then it started slowly turning. And then 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 um, um, uh, Wu-Tang Clan would do the same and all that. But it was just me trying to get to the video set. I had a nice shirt. I had one for myself and I had one for an artist. And I got to, I got to, you know, hang out around music artists that I thought were, you know, gods. Right. And, and, and that's what started to slowly get me over there. What do you think? I'm curious, your experience, it was really hard for you to get forget loan. A lot of that was about, you know, where you grew up, right? Also much harder back then. You're a young black man trying mm -hmm. to pitch a dream. What what do you think about people now who have to go back to that bootstrap mentality? Is this, is that necessarily a bad thing? That people have to put that time and energy in rather than relying on investors or relying on outside cash. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I think it keeps you disciplined. Um, but I got to be honest with you. You know, I wasn't smart enough like those kids you talk to to go to college and maybe learn business and finance. I didn't have financial intelligence, so even with the hindrance of you know the environment I was around, I didn't present myself the right way in front of the bank. So I wish I could say, well, you didn't support me because of whatever. I was not prepared well hmm. enough. Um, so, but I, but even now, even if you are prepared well enough, uh, you and I know one of the biggest reasons why startups fail is actually overfunding. They go out and they raise too much money without actually showing and proving the proof of concept. And now all of a sudden they have to keep raising because, you know, they, listen, if you're a startup and you deliver apparel, your first delivery is never going to be good. If you're doing software, you know, you know that, uh, in software and technology, it's always going to fail. You know what I mean? And if you go and spend 200000 and then you got to do advertising, of course, because you believe you need to spend $30,000 advertising. No, you don't. You need to get customers who are going to use it and give you real feedback and things of that nature. So I don't think that people need to uh, worry about the funding. That's the whole reason I wrote uh, <clears throat> The Power of Broke, because I'd rather you you know put your nose to grind for three to four years figure out all the problems as small as you can. And then when you present it to a man or me, you know, we know how to scale it because you have all the answers and you've gotten the bugs out of there. You know, when people go on Shark Tank, I always say, Matt, <clears throat> if you don't know your customer and I don't know your customer, then you're using my money for tuition. I don't need that. You got two idiots there. I, I, I always say, deal. I get the number one request I get frustrated when somebody has what seems like a pretty good idea. And they're like, what say you, Matt? You want to do it together? I'm like, oh, I I, I have a lot of jobs. Like, I don't yeah. want to sign up for a rescue mission or charity. My, you know, I'm, I'm trying to focus on my priorities too. I'm always amazed by that. And I think the good part about not going to outside fun, it becomes a crutch, right? People think that the gating item, whether somebody else is going to write a check into your own idea. Actually, the gating app is whether you're going to write a check into your own idea. 
Whether you're going exactly. to, I have a good question. I've got one more question before we wrap up, but uh, this is you, you're drowning in opportunity like I am, right? You have to choose. Yeah. You know, this question speaks to discipline, right? How do you choose? How do you get clarity on that singular idea to pursue a business around if you're interested in pursuing many varying opportunities? Like, how do you know when it's when it's the one idea like you did with Fubu to go all in on? I think that's a very good question. I think you and I are in a different area than there, but I have, I have made uh, mistakes even, you know, now and last year and the year before. Because saying, I'm not making mistakes all over the place. <laughs> well, I, I, ho I hope you are. If you're not making mistakes. Yeah, right. I'm making I'm things, right? Swinging, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. But um, I think when you're a, an entrepreneur, and you're just starting out, you, you have one or two different things you want to do. And I think that the one that you can't, you, you just can't sleep until you get it done. And the one that you find that every single day that, when you're doing something, it's like, you know, unraveling a, a, a Cracker Jack box and it's Christmas because you keep learning, you keep saying, wait, I'm figuring this thing out. It's doable. Oh my God, that person wants to work with me. Oh my God. They, oh, look how many customers I have, even this four. And they, they, they're so fascinated by my product, truly my product. And I think that that kind of drives you, but you know, you can't be everything to everybody. Listen, I wanted to be everything to everybody with FUBU, but I couldn't. And Everybody that I have really studied, really, uh, especially in apparel, and they stuck with one thing for a long period of time and perfected that one thing. I mean, mm -hmm. our buddy Kevin Plank, I mean, he did those, whatever they call, what they call wicker free, wick free. Uh, he did those shirts, you know, Under Armour now, I, I don't know, maybe it's going to do $4 billion or $3 billion. Right. Right. He but he did those same shirts for 10 years. Yeah. My partner, Steve, uh, Steve Roth, he always says the same thing to me, but usually as a criticism rather than advice. Don't be a grasshopper. And I remember the what the fuck grasshopper. Don't jump yeah. from thing to thing. You got to stick with things. Don't chase the trends and whatnot, which is hard to do when you're when you're chasing. You know when you when you have so much opportunity. Let me let me close with this. You, I love those early episodes of Shark Tank. You were on the first season, and there were remember the ones where there were like piles of cash on the on yeah the, yeah on yeah, the yeah you know. And that was born in a time of uh, recovery and great you know financial trauma. How do you think this climate's going to change the type of deals you see on on uh, on Shark Tank? Oh, I mean, all we're going to see is PPE stuff. I mean, that, that's it, right? And right. it's going to be PPE in some form, right? Not necessarily personal. It could be, uh, you know, it could be chemicals. It could be cubicles to work in. It could be homes to work in. But I think we're going to see that. And we're also going to see a lot of technology of, uh, you know, the way that people are going to be able to communicate and transfer documents and, uh, you and know. A and of, a lot of direct-to-consumer e-commerce business, I would think. Yeah, so, uh, I, I'm certain we're going to see a lot of that, a lot right. of that. And, right. uh, and we're going to hear the same crap. Uh, Kevin Leary is going to offer them all a blood-sucking royalty, and they're going <laughs> to turn them down, and you know we'll take the deals. And Lori will give a nice, pleasant speech and still say no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so power shift. You couldn't have arrived at a really important time. I mean this when I say you're always generous with your spirit. I've, I've watched you in action. I've worked with you on, on, on some deals. And uh, I'm really excited that your book came out. I advise, encourage everyone out there to go pick up a copy, download it, figure out how to take advantage of this crisis and turn it into an op opportunity. Get your head right. Right. Oh, it starts with the first negotiation, like you said, with your brain. And I just want to thank you for spending some time with us, David. All right. Thank you for being my brother, man. I will All see right. you All around. Right. Take care. You, you got it. Bye. Bye.